And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> you scared me for a second. Jeez. Well, well, well. Welcome to episode 40 of Down on the Docks. My name's Chris Neff. I'm joined as always by my co-host and producer, Dave Sarah. How you doing, buddy? Hello. Buddy, part two. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, really, this a first for us. Yep. So for those of you uh, listening right now, if you're stumbling onto this episode for the first time in your life, back up the car and go to episode 39 where we started the... Uh, yeah, turn this off, unsubscribe, delete us forever. <laughs> don't, don't unsubscribe. Ever, don't ever fucking... Go leave us a one-star <laughs> fucking review, stupid. No, no, but really, you you can listen to this one and then go back and listen to it. Yeah, if you want to make it interesting. Sure, but, but just, you might want to really start... It's really not going to make much of a difference. Episode, it'll make... <laughs> no, just joking. Go to episode 39 Nine, and yeah. start uh, there because this is an honest liar. Yeah, it's part a good two. one. It's funny. So uh, just a, a reminder, episode. guys, An Honest Liar is directed by Tyler Meesom. Uh came out in uh, 2014, and we're going to finish the second half of An Honest Liar. But before we do, we want to say thank you to our listeners and remind them, if you want to find us, you can find us at Down on the Docks Pod on Instagram, or you can find us at Down on the Docks on Twitter. And of course, as always, if you'd like to send us an email, which we will promptly respond to, uh, as long as I'm not training my cats, uh, you could send it to uh, downonthedocks at gmail.com. And Dave, let us know, if you don't mind, who this week's episode is sponsored by, because I think you got something spicy for us. What? Right? Yeah, this week's episode of Down on the Docks is brought to you by Broccoli Farms. Established in 2016 in San Diego, California. Look, I got the music with that. That's my singing bum, music. Bum. It's the everything music. Okay. San Diego, California by cannabis entrepreneur Anthony Bird. Good guy. Never met him. Broccoli what Farms. are we doing here? <laughs> Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world. By combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide, we're going to get a new, new copy for this. Anthony created cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one. Broccoli Farms, the lowest delivery minimum in San Diego fall, you cheap motherfuckers. Fair prices and quality products makes Broccoli Farms one of the best deliveries in San Diego for almost a decade. We love them. Be sure to mention down in the docks, that's DLCS podcast for 15% off your next order along with first time patient gifts and rewards FTP fuck the Check. police <laughs> hey wasn't mine Matt Walker gave it to fuck me the week you were yeah. off uh, I wish I could come up with something that funny yeah funny Matt someday check them out today on Instagram at broccoli farm 619 also follow me Dave Sarah Dave dot Sarah and you know what horse tooth 10 so let's get back into it we're halfway through the film and we see a title card that reads James Randy fighting the fakers. Now, at this point, Randy is on the convention circuit. Okay. Do you know Bill Nye, the science guy? Yup, shill. Is he really? Fuck yeah. For what? You know, he's just bullshit. Well, I thought he teaches I'm not kids. Get, we're not getting into it right now. He's bullshit. I could tell. We shouldn't. You're angry. He's not a flat earther. I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> okay. But it doesn't he like do really good stuff for the kids? Uh, who knows? Okay. He probably does stuff with kids. All right. Allegedly. Uh, 
Well, Bill says, it has been said many times when you're in love, you want to tell the world. Maybe it will work. I don't know. And James Randi is in love with the truth. Well, Randi says, the so-called psychics and the other charlatans are making money at our expense, and we have to bear some of the blame for it. So let's get to work and do something about it. Now, this is uh, at a convention he's speaking at. And we hear uh, one of the announcers and, uh, you know, that brings Randy to the stage. And he says, the man that puts the fear of God into all those psychics, the amazing Randy. Well, remember, uh, Professor, uh, Professor, 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 Professor Richard Wiseman, the magician and physicist. A Labrador is a Professor. <laughs> he says, James Randy isn't just about being skeptical of the paranormal. He's about promoting a scientific worldview. Uh, you ever heard of the Reason Rally? No, but it sounds like a cult. It's not. Oh. It's uh, it's just people. A cult? It's like a science meeting. Uh, oh, okay. You know, people show up in Washington, and they're all about science. Okay. So. But just the name, the Reason Rally. It's yeah. Just, it's, okay, go on. Cool. So he's at the sounds Reason. a little pretentious. He's at the Reason Rally speaking, and he says, science has created and shaped much of the world in which we live. But constant vigilance can never be relaxed. Uh, we also see him in Spain. And he's speaking to people and he says, you want people to be educated. You want to go out and shake these people and say, listen to me, listen to me. Well, he says, the million dollar challenge is real, ladies and gentlemen. Why is there not a lineup outside this organization right now? Why isn't Yuri Geller here? Well, he also still does the rope tricks and signs books for adoring fans. Um, he, I got the sense... Stick to the rope tricks. I got the <clears throat> sense, though, that he's not charging for this stuff. Stand on the chair. I could be wrong. Uh, Adam Savage, he says, the amount of travel and the amount of people that he engages with us, he has genuinely changed thousands and thousands of people's lives by opening their eyes. Which one's the Savage from uh, Wonder Years? That's Fred Savage. Fred Savage, okay. Yeah. Fred. I can't remember way, his name. By the way, yeah. remember the other guy on that show? Yes, the guy that looks like my brother. I don't know his name. Paul. Paul, okay. Was his name Paul, his best I friend? I don't know. Oh, oh, that guy, that guy, that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't remember his name. Okay, so here's the, the thing. The dorky guy with the The glasses. dorky guy. Guess what? Dorky guy's not a dorky guy anymore. Because... jacked? No, uh, because my friend got popped for a DUI. Sick. And he's like, I got the Wonder Years guy. <laughs> and I go, I go, which one? The cop? No, the dorky Paul. No, no, no. Fred but I'm Sa saying uh, who was the, what? In Look, Google what, it. What role was he? In he was Fred, uh, Fred Savage's best friend, the dork. Okay, but your friend. Just Google it. No, I'm not, I'm, no just tell me the. Th okay. What are you uh, missing? Is the guy the cop or the guy who got popped with the DUI, the, the Wonder Years guy? No, my friend got a DUI. Right. And, and then, the cop was the Wonder Years guy. No. He, oh, in his cell, he got the Wonder Years guy. No. I'm so fucking confused. That's then. because I said the Wonders Year guy is his lawyer. Oh, I didn't hear you say lawyer. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. Cool. So good for him. But it gets even deeper. I had worked for the Wonder Years lawyer guy before I knew that. Mm -hmm. um, and this was in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And 9-11. I had to help him move an elliptical to his house. Sounds like my nine, your 9-11. Yeah, it sucked. Anyway, 
All right, back to the show. Back to I'm the sorry, show. folks. You got lost. <laughs> um, <laughs> Broccoli Farm six one nine. You got really angry too. <laughs> no, I was just annoyed. Like I didn't hear the lawyer part. Yeah, I feel like you could have just apparently jumped in there. Apparently, instead of letting a, me fucking drown. Apparently, he's a great DUI guy. So if you <laughs> are guy. in the Southern California yeah, area baby. and you need a DUI guy, get a hold of me. I'll call my friend and he'll get you a wonder years <laughs> lawyer. Right. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. That, I bet that helps in the courtroom. All right. Anyway, uh, we see this is going to get a little tender. Uh, this <laughs> It does. This is an emotional part of the film. Oh. Randy is taking pictures of this church in Italy. And he says, I got to get pictures uh, just to bring him back to make Jose crazy. And the director at this point interjects and he says, is he on your mind? And Randy says, always, every minute, every minute because he's not here. Well, then we shift back and we see Jose, because as you know, he's an artist himself. And he lives in Hollywood, Florida, and he's working out of the Hollywood, Florida Art and Culture, well, Culture Center. And he's working on this massive mural. It's gorgeous, by the way. And he says, sometimes I think what an odd couple we make. He's very rational and very much driven by the skeptic thinking and all of that. And sometimes I feel I'm a little bit or a lot of the opposite. And somehow we've managed to build a life together. And I like it. Yeah, I bet they I tenderly like, suck each other's cocks. Okay. <laughs> I like the fact that we are completely opposites. Randy always been... Yeah, when they're 69ing. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, let's go. I got to throw something in there. You don't. I just let you sometimes, ramble? Sometimes things can no, just be tender. No, then I'm low energy. No, no, no. I'm not <laughs> saying that. I'm just saying sometimes there's just tender moments in a film that you want to acknowledge. Yeah. And we don't have to talk about. Sucking the cock. Yeah. yeah. Okay, anyway, let's go. you do you. Yeah. Uh, Randy's always been supportive of my career and my persona all the way through. From the moment we met up to now. It's just amazing. No pun intended. Life being with him. I cannot imagine my life without him. People find it funny that I call him amazing, but I like to call him amazing. Well, Randy returns from Italy, and Jose... There's just nowhere to go from there, though. Nope. Just not amazing anymore. Jose uh, greets him, and again, they go through family photos, and we get to see you know, pictures of them when they first met and them over the years. So it's a really, really nice part of the film. And Jose, he reminds us, he says, this is the guy that left his home at 17 to join a circus and go through all the crazy stories. It's pretty epic. It is cool, man. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's kind of like the, like, I don't want to say it's the kid's dream, but it's like the, it's a, it was the trope that's always used, like when you have sort of like a child uh, youth yeah. Like when you have parents that are fucked up or yeah. poor or you whatever, go join the, you go the, fucking join the this, this traveling circus. Yeah. The first human traffickers. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> no, it's always been the church. Uh, <laughs> it's always been. It's always been. Uh, it's been quite an amazing ride, he adds, and I just feel very privileged to be a part of it. Well, guess what? New title card. Uh, it says Geller Rises, mm -hmm. the Battle of the Bend. Mm-hmm. Geller's back. Is that like a type of like um like stomach battle of the bend? It's like bent like isn't bent like a the bends the bends the the bends is what you get when you go diving yeah and your um the oxygen levels yeah. in your blood oh okay they explode do they ever make you shit 
I feel like they no, do. No, they no. just make you knock out. It's, oh, okay. it's, it's, why, it's why you have to time your descent. Okay. All these people by right now listening to this know exactly what I'm talking <laughs> I about. I know what you're talking about. You're the only one that does I it. Thought that the, I thought that the, it was called the Bents. No, it's not, you thought it was called the Bents? <laughs> yeah. No, it's the, the Bents. Bents. Yeah. And then, but I thought it also makes you uh, ex, like a uh, shit. It might. Maybe. Also the name of my favorite Radiohead album, the Bents. The Bents. Probably too young for you to listen no, to. No, no, no. I like Radiohead. Okay. Famously, they don't. They never sing that song "Creep" live, huh? I wouldn't either if I was them. Yeah, because you're fucking. You're for the man. You're not for the man. I mean, Anywho, you're for the people. <laughs> we see Geller. We see Geller on an NBC program called "Not for Women Only," mm. and Geller is hard at work rubbing a spoon, like men's bathrooms, rubbing like a spoon, bathrooms. much to the amusement of the female host. Okay. And he says, once more, let me hold it here gently. And she's like, I'm not even touching it. And it's boom. The spoon just breaks in half. Wow. Look, you see, it's plastic now. Well, Michael Shermer of Old Skeptic Magazine, he says when Geller was on The Tonight Show and Randy had helped Johnny set him up not to not be able to perform his tricks, it looked like it was the end of Geller's career. Over, done, three strikes, you're out, gone. But two days later, he's on the Merv Griffin show. Yeah, that's how the fucking, you know, I wonder how like in the 60s and 70s, how many millions of people were living in the United States at that time. But like, let's just say on any given night between what, 20 and 30 million people were watching, were watching Carson. Carson. Yeah. And then so, but like, there's no blogs, there's no this, there's no that. It's so easy to just be like, okay, I'm, I'm just going Merv to Griff. I'm baby. going to channel two. Yeah, fuck, man. Well, so awesome. I would have been so great back then. Well, we see Geller working a key. And it's just, you know, a regular key, like a house key. And he's rubbing it. And he says, and all I'm saying is bend, bend, bend. Okay, look, can you see it? I mean, it's bent, you know. Merv, that. <laughs> oh, God. It's not Carson. No. Merv, I can't do. I don't know. He just says, that is a very bent key. Now, what happens, it's an energy that leaves my mind. <laughs> Nothing to do with my finger. Penetrates the metal and alters the molecular structure. Now, instead of bend, I say to the broken watches, work. Well, now he's on another show doing this watch trick where he pretends to revive broken watches. Yeah. And he goes, one, two, three, work, work. Just a second. It's working. And the panelist is like, oh, my God, it's working. Your mother's watch is working. Is that like a miracle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it a miracle, Chris? I don't think so. No? What is it? Was well, it a trick? Did they explain the trick? I can't tell you right now because okay. we're going to learn later on. Really? Yeah. I didn't think they'd do that. So he's big on this broken watch trick as well as spoons. And he goes on uh, the Mike Douglas show. And check this out. It appears that George Carlin was the same guest on that show. Although, oh. they, although they don't talk about it. But okay. I saw Carlin in the background sitting in one of the chairs. So at the time, it's Watergate. Yeah, and I mean, Carlin's a big get. And then you have this shithead on as like the second act. Yeah, probably. He's just fucking bringing this stupid magician. Well, he makes his watch watch thing work, but the watches are all Nixon watches that say I'm not a crook on them. Mm, so okay. apparently that was kind of cool to have one of those back in the day. That's pretty cool. Yep. Well, Geller says, first of all, I was born with this. When I was four years old, I was eating soup. And that's four years old. And suddenly the spoon started bending in my hands. Well, Randy says that was like a big thing in the 90s. You remember those like cartoon-esque watches where it'd have a picture of like a cartoon character or some like Mickey Mouse was a big one. And the yeah. hands are the 
the Mickey Mouse hands are like the hands for the watch. <clears throat> so that was they, a big they, thing. Well, no, like like yeah, in the nineties, and then um, like it, it, they, I'm sure they had like a president one. But the, my point is that in the nineties, it was big to like if you're super rich, yeah, you'd get your like you do you or like your family, yeah, and then you get those watches and give oh. them away as like gifts oh, or something. Oh, you put like yourself that. in, yeah, yeah, or you make it for somebody and make it a watch for themselves. That sounds awful. It is. I mean, it's the nineties though. Uh, well, Randy says Geller probably became the first superstar psychic to be apparently accepted by science and the scientists. Well, another talk show host we see, and he says, Yuri has subjected himself or has been subjected to some scientific study, what they call cheat proof under rigid controlled conditions. Geller, I want to tell you this. This is not a trick. There are scientists who are putting their whole life at stake in validating these powers. Yep. Well, remember old Ray Hyman, the uh, yep. experimental psychologist? The Heim. Hit him he, with the Heim. He says Randy's upset by Geller using trickery mm. to deceive scientists. Really? He thought it was immoral, and he felt this was prostitution of his beloved magic. Oh, okay. Well, Barbara Walters. A little uh, hyperbolic, maybe? I don't think so. No? Okay. No, I mean, it's a good metaphor. Yeah. Well, Barbara Walters is back, and she's interviewing Randy. And she says, Randy, you've been around the country. Someone is Houdini used to do in the past. Good old Babs. Trying to debunk those who say that it's psychic power. You say it's magic. Well, this is my house key. Now, she shows her house key, and it's completely bent. And she goes, Yuri Geller took it, and he went like this. She's rubbing the key with his finger. No pressure, and the key bent. You can see that. And I've carried it around because I found that I'm a believer now. Here is my identical key. Touch it and make it bend. And, of course, Randy says, would you hold the end of it very lightly in between your fingers, Barbara? And I'm just going to stroke it. And he starts stroking Ooh, it away. Uh -oh, this yeah. is getting oddly... Oh, now I have a key in the back I want you to stroke. Well, now I'm not putting... That key starts something else. I'm not putting enough... The water works. Okay, uh, go on. Okay, now I'm not putting any, enough pressure on to bend it. No? Okay, will you show it to the camera, please? Well, she holds up the, the key, and it's bent just like Yuri Geller's key. Okay. And Barbara's mind's blown. Wow. And she goes, no! Her heim's about to be blown, too. No! And then uh, Randy looks at Barbara and says, so you're going to keep this key uh, too, Barbara? Well, he crushes. A huge nice. applaudience. <laughs> uh, applause crushes, break. Dude. Just applause break. I wish they I didn't even turn on the like. light for this one. Yeah. So Randy says, in one way, I almost always, or excuse me, I almost followed Geller around the country because if he appeared on some major show, I simply went on the show afterwards and did the exact same routine. So we see... Uh, Randy, on another talk show, presumably one that Geller just finished. And Randy says, now when Mr. Geller does this, he says bend. Well, I don't say that. I say broccoli because it's a simple... Broccoli farms! <laughs> because it's a simple conjuring trick. And that used to be on the back of a cornflakes box when I was a kid. Hmm. Heavens to Betsy, look at that. Would hmm. you say that key is bent? Uh, now, here's the thing. He doesn't reveal how the trick's done. But I did do some research. Maybe put some acid on his finger or something. I did do some research, and it was true. They showed you how to do this trick on the back of a cornflakes box. Cool. Back in like the 30s, I yeah. want to say. What does it say? I didn't, I don't know. 
but oh. I I want to know. I but you said you were going to tell. Oh, the 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 watch trick you're going to tell us. Okay. No, I'm not, yeah, kind of. My point is, if you want to learn how to do this... By the way, if I don't hear the answer to how all these tricks are done by the end of the fucking podcast, I'm going to be pissed. And you're never going to hear this episode. So fuck you, dude. I can't guarantee that. I might be able to tell you some of them. Well, at this point, Randy's like, Geller's huge. So I'm just going to write a book about this guy. So his book was titled The Truth About Yuri Geller. And it hit the market at peak Geller interest. And of course it does very well. Well, we see Geller again and he says, the psychokinetic energy melts the molecular structure of the metal. And boom, he's going from show to show, bending spoons, blowing feeble (laughs) minds. Pregnating women. Probably. Blowing minds. And he's like, oh my. backs. I want it to bend. I just say bend. There's a woman. Oh my God. You're pregnant. It's the equivalent to like <laughs> pop off. They're just like screaming. They can't Popping believe what pussy. they're singing. Seeing. Yeah. Well, Yuri became a major star. He's huge. Um, he's on, you know, he can't leave the house without people hounding him for autographs. Right. And at this Imagine. point, Randy, it's like, it's like, a series of Rocky movies. Okay. And they're just going back and forth and back and forth like gladiators. Do, do, da, do. Remember them singing in the bat in the bed with uh, Adrian when they're the first one? Oh, yeah, yeah. The first one. Do, do, da, do. I don't remember <laughs> so what cringy. he's saying. But, so bad. Well, do you remember the show Real People? No. It was in the 80s. And, um, you know, Randy's on the show because okay. probably Geller just did it. And the dude's like, uh, can you do the spoon bending trick for us? And Randy's like, does Bolly, Dolly Parton sleep on her back? Crushes. He's just crushing with his yeah. jokes. Crushing the fucking Dolly Parton's chest. Dude. He bends the, the spoon in seconds. Okay. And then we see Geller on a show. There's no heat at all. Touch it. Touch it. <laughs> and then we see newspaper articles. And in the article, Yuri claims Randy is jealous of me. Because I'm good looking and have nice wavy hair. Mm-hmm. And this is like a night, like an early 2000s movie that like uh, Will Ferrell would make. Totally. Like, it should be made about this. <laughs> it's <just> yes. Like, <laughs> it's I'm good. the real magician. Yeah, like ben, ben Stiller and shit. <clears throat> I could totally see this. Yeah. You have the guy who played fucking uh, Napoleon Dynamite. That's who I was thinking of too. <laughs> oh, the great rounder. <laughs> Some bullshit. Some hogwash. Well, Geller, he's deflecting. He says, they wrote that I have laser beams in my belt buckle. (laughs) And I bend uh, with uh, the keys with my laser beams. Sounds like the media to me. Sorry, sounds like the media to me. Well, then we see Randy on Larry King. Mm -hmm. And he says, look at this. Well, instantly he bends the spoon. And he says, you can actually see it bending over and turning. Can I bend the spoon? Here, give me the spoon. Let me try to bend it. Is that your Larry King? Yeah. Um, I worked for Larry King once. Did you? Did. Were his shoulders sunken also? Of course. <laughs> um, Dude, but that fool's wearing armor, it looks like. I remember there was this, this kind of scam going around at okay. the time. Okay. And there was like, for $12,000, you could buy this water purifier. Huh. And he had one of those. Uh. And I, I was in the kitchen, and I was like, what, what's that? Oh, no. And they were like, oh, that's the, uh, you know, the purifier 9042. Uh-huh. Why was it a scam, though? $12,000 water purifier? Yeah. Okay. okay. So it's just expensive. 
They yeah. just, uh, yeah. just, just like yeah. crazy expensive. But it got me no thinking reason. about this that he probably would buy buy into this crap if he bought the water purifier. Anyway, but at rest, least it did something. Rest, hopefully, rest in peace, Larry. He was oh, yeah, a very he, away, he was yeah. a very good guy. Yeah, um, everybody anyway, always said so. Anyway, always a good sport. Randy's just you know bending the spoon, and again he mentions, um, well. These things used to be on the back of cornflake boxes, Larry, but apparently yeah. some scientists either don't eat cornflakes or they don't read the back of the box. No, scientists, I'm sure, know the reason why. I'm sure there's some fucking dork from 1939 that ended up being like a Nazi scientist or something like, like you, no, I know the reason why you do these. Uh, we're going to get to the scientists. That was a bad We're going to get to the scientists. Um, so then we see Geller, and he holds up a spoon, and he says... This is my trademark, and you will not find it on any cereal box. <laughs> so after R- Randy crushes <laughs> crushes the spoon bending on real people, yeah. they go, how did you do that? Oh, yeah. oh very well, I thought. Oh, <laughs> Randy's good. He's, He's quick. Silver-tongued devil. Well, we also see Randy on the Today Show with Brian Gumbel, and this is when he just breaks it down. Okay. He's like, it's sleight of hand. Yeah. Now, I could explain the tricks to you, and that would give you one solution, but it wouldn't give you all the solutions. Mm-hmm. So if we're assuming it's sleight of hand, what do you think that mo- means when it's spoon bounding? When you slide the hand. <laughs> no, no, sleight of hand. Oh, <laughs> no, that's one of the best ones. Though, sli- I can't think of a, oh, uh, all, all, in, all intensive purposes. Yeah, yeah, I do. That's a good one, one, too. But it's sleight of hand. I never did it. I'm just saying. I know it's sleight of hand. The point is, he's doing the switcheroo with the spoon. Oh. Okay. Okay. Or we'll get into it more. Cool. It's all about the angle. (laughs) He's like, "Ah, all I have is this uh, Donald Duck spoon. So we're going to get into the the, how it works. Yeah. What if somebody gives him like a. That's what my question was. They gave me the purple spoon. Different spoon. Mm -hmm. So here, well, we're going to get into it. I must inspect the spoon first. Well, Randy says, in many cases, if not most cases, I simply went on the show and I did his exact same routine. But when I would get the MC sometimes saying, oh, yes, well, it's all very well for magicians to do this, but Mr. (laughs) Geller doesn't use magic tricks. Right. Um, You know, Barbara's astounded. You know, she says, but what about the people who do come up with the cards? And Randy says, did you hear about the times they don't come up with them? Don't you know that Yuri Geller did 100 tests with sealed envelopes? You think it's all fake? Uh, what a fucking... Yeah, I was shocked about how, old Barbara here. How she's like flabbergasted. Yeah, just so she's gullible. Just like a, what, what year is this? 73, no, probably. She's, she's still sucking her dick to the way, like up to the top. Well, who knows? I'm just a bimbo. Anyway. Now she's fucking... She dead? <laughs> Is she dead? Yeah. She died a year ago. Aw. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Babs. You want to apologize for calling her a bimbo? Yes, I do. Okay. Babs is my favorite um, nickname for a... Babs? Yeah. I always like that. For Barbara. For Barbara? That's like my favorite nickname for a person. There's not really another one for Barbara. Barb? It's not a nickname. That's just shortening the name. It's a good point. I think it's always Babs. Babs is a good one. Okay. So Randy says... What's the difference between what I did and what Geller did? Now, this is to a female or a male talk show host. And the male, he's very like upper oh, you crust. Switched, <clears throat> you switched out the thing. <clears throat> he's very upper crust. And he says, uh, well, uh, because, uh, well, I guess I, I really don't have an answer. <laughs> mm, well, straight shooter. Yeah. Well, Geller 
on another show says because magicians can do God, how many times are these motherfuckers on TV? I they're told like, you they're fucking was, battling each other on the air. Yeah. God. This was a I'm telling you, this could be not just a movie. This could be like a 12 part series, these two battling. So Geller says, because magicians can duplicate some of the things with trickery does not mean that genuine psychics do it with trickery. Anyone can imitate the Mona Lisa, but that does not make them Leonardo da Vinci. Whoa. You people remember that. All those fucking open micers on roast battle better take note. Geller. Magicians say no nonsense. I duped scientists. They say I fooled them. They always find loopholes. I challenge them and tell them, look, why don't you go and do it in a laboratory the way I was tested? Well, title card up. We're getting in a lab. It's called Project Alpha. Yeah. I don't believe they're tricking us. Well, Randy says, my opinion has always been that parapsychologists, no matter how well-funded, would not be able to properly judge where someone has set out to purposefully deceive them. Mm. And I had come to the conclusion that the only way to show them would be to perpetrate an outright hoax mm. by introducing some tricksters into the laboratory that I could trust. This is like that guy who, uh, who signed up for the women's poker tournament and s said he uh, identifies as a woman, and then at the end... Still took the $5,000 after right. he won, but was like, I did this to show all the people, blah, 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 get fucked. Uh, almost You're grifting. A, almost exactly the same thing, except that's gambling, and this is oh, uh, it's Paris. <laughs> I guess, this I guess. Is, this is... Uh, <laughs> I mean, sort of. You're still taking money from people. <laughs> These guys are basically saying they have uh, supernatural powers. I get that. I understand. Can we get in the lab? They identify as supernatural power they seekers. They do. So let's um, let's get back to Banachek. You remember uh, the mental one of the, Banachek? One of the, one of the best uh, NFL coaches of all time. Okay. <laughs> Don't forget Banachek. His real name is Steve Shaw. Oh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> Steve says... I like how he, go, he, <laughs> he goes from white to Jewish or whatever, like white to Slavic. <clears throat> he says, I read Randy's book. Uh, the truth about Yuri Geller. And from the book, I was able to put methods together for bending objects myself. And I created many of my own methods to the point where kids in high school were stealing silverware and bringing me them to bend. And I got so good at it that I'm not sure why, but I wrote Randy a letter and I said, look, if you ever need a kid to try and fool the scientist, I'd be happy to, you know, be yeah. that kid. Oh, by the way, you mentioning silverware reminds me I have to pay my attorney. Let me write that down. Uh, this is a bad joke. Okay, let's go. <laughs> it was so bad, I still don't get uh, it. Silverware. Got it. <laughs> silverware. It's stupid. I know, dude. All right, so uh, we're also going to meet mentalist Michael Edwards. Okay. Well, we meet him. He's probably, you know, probably in his late 40s. And he said, after I read The Magic of Yuri Geller, I got pretty proficient as a psychic metal bender. Uh, so Shit, I, dude. Metal bender is a sick name for something. So I reached out to James Randi as well. Well, Michael had been making headlines all over, you know, his local town because he's the next young psychic phenom and he's bending spoons <laughs> this is such a movie yeah I just, all i see is uh, is oh my god it's so crazy okay so there has to be a fucking hacky magician comedy out there there has to be i'm sure it's out there yeah well at this point 
we read uh, on the screen a headline that says airplane magnate donates 500,000 for Psy Research, awarded by James S. McDonald, chairman of McDonald Douglas Aerospace Corporation. Great. Obviously, no, you're, you know, they're a huge yep, company. Yep, yep. Well, they're going to fund this stuff. Cool. So Randy says very shortly, uh, after a very substantial amount of money had been offered to a university uh, to these parapsychological tests. Mm -hmm. So it was dubbed Mac Lab. And it was funded by James McDonald. And he said, you go out and find me some star subjects. (laughs) And that job fell to a scientist called Peter Phillips. Well, Michael says, we were told there were over 300 applicants at the Mac Lab. Um, and and ended up focusing on only two subjects. Mm-hmm. And he gets in, and Steve Shaw gets in. So these guys both They're have in, already written to Randy saying, hey, if you want to fool people, we will help you oh, out. Oh so of the 300 they pick, it's these two guys. Yeah. Well, at that point, Project Ro- uh, Alpha is ready to take off. So Steve yeah. says, I flew to St. Louis, and I had no idea what I was getting into. And we didn't know if they were going to have one-way mirrors or hidden cameras, we had no clue what we were getting into. And Michael says, I was 17 at the time. I was, you know, uh, in my first semester of my senior year, and I'm about to pull some basic magic, Mm -hmm. basic, on some people that should be very well skilled and could very likely see through this quickly. And I felt like I probably have gotten in over my head at this point. Well, let's meet the leader of this program named Peter Phillips. And he says, I'm Peter Phillips, and here with me is Mark Schaefer. The tape you're about to see consists of a series of episodes suggestive of psychokinesis. Mm -hmm. The subjects in these experiments are two men of about 21 ME and SS. They presented themselves to us originally as psychic metal benders. Uh, Randy says, I wrote to Professor Phillips in order to advise him on how he should observe the alpha kids. As a matter of fact, I sent him a list of 11 rules in order to keep control of an experiment. Okay. Don't allow the subjects to alter the rules established for the test. Don't accept excuses Mm. like the vibrations aren't right (laughs) or I don't feel right. Yeah. And above all, you need and no betas (laughs) and above all, you need a professional magician to keep you straight headed certified out at what might be trickery. Sweet. So Michael says it was very quickly that Steve and I tried to almost line by line, get them to violate every one of those caveats. Well, Philip, and we see him in a vintage film, he says, Mike, sitting to your right and dressed in white, has just picked up a spoon that he will attempt to influence. And Michael says, one of Randy's caveats, this is a big one, he's, they wanted the lab to mark every item with an indelible mark or a scratch that couldn't be replicated. Okay. Something permanent. Right. And something that they can't duplicate on the spot. Right, right. Well, the, par- the parapsychologists, in their infinite wisdom, decided they would just simply put tags on the spoons with a string. Okay. okay. I mean, it works. <clears throat> it doesn't work. It's not an Why? indelible mark. Oh, because indelible, yeah. Indelible. Michael says, do you mind if I take the tag off? 
lab assistant. Oh yeah, sure. It just slides right off. Ah, oh, fucking idiots. So they take oh, the paper. God. Well, I guess in theory it would work if you had competent people administering the test. Correct. Dummies. So Jesus. They, they take the paper hanging tags off the spoons to make them easier to work with. And Michael says, as everybody was focusing on one spoon, it was a simple matter to lean over the control spoon. Okay. So he's literally at a desk and he just leans over. He's got then, really good at cheating on tests. Does the switcheroo yeah. and tags another spoon. Yeah. So the lab ah, assistant, he's got that's a, some thinking on your feet. He's got a spoon that's bent and he's like, wow, it is markedly different. Of course, the tags on the new spoon. Sure. And Steve said, we truly believe that if the scientists went in with a, a pro-biased opinion and the majority of the parapsychologists were doing just that, they would not utilize pr proper science. And Michael adds, if we could replicate what Geller and Stanford Research Institute had done, in essence, in terms of established scientific protocol on testing a psychic, we could undermine Geller's claims of being deemed legitimate. Yeah, this scientists. is why I don't trust any research. Okay, <laughs> it's fair. I mean, a lot of it's garbage. Okay. Well, Dr. Mark Schaefer... He says, we have been working, first of all, to establish the range of abilities that Mike and Steve have because they have apparently included being able to move small, solid objects across a tabletop, influencing a variety of metal objects such as keys and metal bars and metal rods, sometimes touching and sometimes at a distance and also influencing photographic film. Well, Michael says, we were trying to get the parapsychologists to break their own rules. We're then going back to Randy and informing him of the ways that we're able to beat the test. Randy, in turn, was then communicating it back to MacLab how to safeguard their tests so that we couldn't beat them any longer. Needless to say, it got very complicated as we were forced to become more and more resourceful. Well... Dr. Schaefer says another device designed to elicit PK in a visible manner was a lightweight rotor that was mounted atop a thin metal spindle under a glass dome. So picture, okay. a, picture a glass dome. Yep. Kind of just like the size of a milk carton. Like a close set. Yep. And then you have a rod yep. go inside of mm -hmm. it. And then atop, there's just a little wheel. Yeah. Go, that's that's spinning. there. I know that. Not and, spinning. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. But they, they're, they're going to try and test them to see if they can get that thing to spin. Right, right, right. They, yeah. Well, Michael says our jobs were to move that rotor without obviously removing the glass dome. Makes right. sense, right? Yes. He says it's a really good test, and he says I was really stumped. Then I look over to the side of the room, and Steve was concentrating on the rotor, and the rotor starts to move. No! Yes! Wow. Phillips in their vintage film, they say, here you see Steve influencing the rotor. Wow. He's causing it to rotate clockwise. Steve says, well, and then they said, well, to make sure there is no air currents or anything like that, can you make it move the opposite direction? Right. So I start, quote, concentrating, and slowly it starts reversing and goes in the opposite All direction. All right. Well, Michael says, I have no idea how Steve's doing this. And Phillips says, and if you look carefully, the rotator is now moving counterclockwise. Well, well, Steve says, so Mike turns to me and he says, hey, you want to go get a drink at the soda machine real quick? Okay. <laughs> uh, I know he wants to know how I just did this. Right. So I go over with him and he says, 
Steve, how the heck did you just do that? Right. And I said, Mike, after all these hours of sitting in that room and concentrating, I just found out I'm really psychic. Oh, <laughs> did he now? Michael says, I think I'm calling bullshit. I think I promptly threw him up against the wall and at that point wanted to know. And it turned out it was a very simple deception. But of course, okay. As good magicians, magnets, they're not going to tell us how uh, they did it. These pieces of shit. So shortly after that hallway conversation, both of us could magically make the rotor move in any direction we wanted to. And the Mac lab personnel never caught on. Wow. Now, <laughs> Dave, sounds like insider <laughs> trading. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is the frustrating part when I'm watching this. Right. I'm like. Just fucking tell us how you did it. Yeah, right? you got to do some you stuff. You fooled the Mac Lab, right. but now you're telling this us is part of the documentary. Right now in the documentary, I think it's safe to say you could tell us. But of course, we got to go to the comments. I guess I, I didn't find any. Well, Dr. Mark Shaver says I don't believe they're tricking us, especially based. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you don't feel that way. But however, <laughs> based on the research, <laughs> I love it. I don't think they're tricking us. Based on the research we've done in the last year where we have exerted as tight a control condition as we could think Bullshit. of. Bullshit. Even in consultation with magicians to see if the influence hold, holds up. And we have found evidence that it does. Not as strongly under these controlled conditions. It's as if somehow the extra controls seem to inhibit it, but still an effect persists. Well, Michael says over the course of Alpha, the controls did get significantly tougher and the tighter the controls got, the lower the results got. But their faith in us never diminished. Well, we see another one of these vintage films of Phillips and he says, we do not claim that this tape provides incontrovertible evidence of PK. We regard it as rather a provisional tape, imperfect, but still with much to offer. Well, Steve says... This went on for four years. Wow, that yeah. sounds like um, like they're stealing money. Well, they were funded by McDonnell Douglas, yeah, which is probably a front for for money laundering. No, no I'm just joking. For, <laughs> but like, yeah, for you know, black ops for the sure. CIA, I'm guessing. I mean, you just throw a couple thousand bucks, and if it comes out to something cool, I wonder what they were getting paid to participate because you can't just. But even then, like, it's still good to like not still good, but like I can see the use for it. If you are how we talked about. Bro, the CIA the use for it. If you have PK, I mean, that's the <laughs> ultimate weapon. Yeah. Besides being invisible. <laughs> invisible is, is, invisible is, is the best. Is the best. All right. So, so wait, would you rather fly or be invisible? Invisible. Yeah. Because you're a creeper, dude. You're <laughs> such a fucking creep. I could go walk. I could walk in anybody's it's bedroom rape at night. They can't see me. Buddy, I could just look at everything. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Uh, okay, so 180 hours total. Okay. So what is that? So 180 45, hours? 45 hours a year for four years. So okay. it's like a week's worth of work over a year. So they make it sound, you know, it's, it's four years. Yeah, but they, they probably just, got paid four grand for it. Probably. Okay, so it's nothing. Anyway, uh, after all those years, he says, of convincing people that I was a genuine psychic, I had a huge doubt about what we were going uh, doing and how it was going to affect these people. And it came about when there was a BBC producer, a guy by the name of Tony Edwards, who said he wanted to capture our abilities on tape. Well, Michael says, we had taken him to a point where he was an utter skeptic and we had gotten him to uh, 
gotten him by getting to know him and demonstrating our abilities off camera to become a believer. Well, Steve says Randy gave him the same 11 caveats that he'd given MacLab. The difference was Tony took a look at those and said, okay, I'm going to follow these because I want to convince Randy. And if I could convince Randy, I can convince the rest of the world. So we see this BBC documentary produced by Troy Edwards and we hear the narrator. We were all trying to record that elusive bend. As witness, a conjurer, two metallurgists, and three simultaneously recording TV cameras. Conditions the benders were happy to accept. After six hours recording, nothing. Well, all of a sudden, they get the spoon. Uh, Back to the spoon. Damn it! Hack at this point. Well, Steve says, we sat there all day with Tony, and nothing happened. Nothing. The moment the cameras went off that day, we bent everything in the laboratory. Oh, come on. <laughs> Absolutely everything. Michael says it's almost as if he had the Holy Grail in his fingertips and he let it drop. Well, what do you think happens? Uh, I don't know. Tony Edwards loses his mind. Huh. He screams. He's crying. Huh. He's ranting. He's raving. He's claiming Randy's the devil. Oh. It's Randy's fault that I couldn't get this on tape. I shouldn't have listened to Randy. I shouldn't have followed Randy's advice. It's all his fault. Michael says he had a complete mental breakdown. Wow. Shaw describes it as scary. He says, for two young kids to realize that we hurt somebody as badly as we did. Jesus Christ. Michael says it was at this point, I think Steve and I realized we couldn't do this anymore. We can't be responsible for this kind of psychological damage by our ability to trick somebody. (laughs) Randy Uh. said, it's just a couple more months. We have this TV show coming up, and that's when we want to tell the world that you're not real. Well, uh, Jamie Ian Swiss says, Randy, he's the general. You know, the general's rarely on the front lines, and sometimes he's sending his minions in to do his good works, but always at a distance, and he's at the strategy table. He's got the vision for what will come. Well, the big day comes when Mike and Steve, you know, have to go out and face the public, and they're going to reveal that the whole yeah. thing was a hoax. Right. Well, we see Randy at the day as of this huge conference. And he says, I'm going to ask these two gentlemen a very simple question. Can you tell us how you did it? <laughs> well, Michael Please. walks up there and he says, it's simple. We cheated. Ah. Gasps. Audible gasps <gasps> with like 400 people in this convention hall. Yeah. And... Then they just admit Project Alpha was a total inside job and they're not psychics and they were nothing more than illusionists. And you wouldn't believe these people, like all of them. It's just like the dumb Simpsons audience. Yeah, <gasps> yeah, yeah. So back to a talk show host. Uh, ma- uh, Magician Amazing Randy, you have him on the phone. Go ahead. You've got the last word, caller. Yeah, I was wondering... What he thought about the claims uh, that this was sort of unethical way of carrying out this experiment and whether or not it's going to affect the scientific community and the parapsychologist negatively. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I was like, uh, imagine there's people out there that because they're not revealing what, how they did it, that are still like, nah, you're fucking CIA now. Or it's like, you're like, you're a shill. Like, you're just... You're just saying that you you didn't actually do it, but you really did do it. That's exactly what happens. But Randy says, I'm happy to say that the president of the Parapsychology Association described it as a magnificent experiment that needed to be done and from which the results may benefit everybody. And I think that's what we headed out to do. Well, 
we see another talk show host. And he says, we also should point out that the, the director of that program thought it was a very lousy thing to do. Yes, he I was, agree. He was quoted as saying that you probably set back the study of it. Randy interjects. Oh, did he? Randy interjects. He says, if Phillips said that, then my answer uh, to me having set back the study of parapsychology is no. They tried to set it back. I brought it into the 20th century. Well, Steve, McDonnell Douglas should fucking sue them for the money that they gave him. Well, Steve says, I felt really bad. They truly believed in these things. And I thought that if they had realized that they'd been fooled by somebody, that they would be more cautious in the future. But I really felt bad that I fooled him. Yeah. Well, let's check in with Yuri Geller because he's on Regis and Kathy. Yeah, dude, this guy's brilliant. So you dropped out kind of in the mid 70s. It just resurfaced. What have you been doing? Yeah. At that time, I wanted to become rich. And I met the very important man who was the chairman of the largest mining company in England. And he showed me to use my talents to look for gold, <laughs> oil, oh, and mineral. Good, good guy. And I was very successful at it. You proved it. <laughs> <laughs> you proved it. Exactly. But I am still controversial. There are a lot of people who think I'm fake and a magician, but all those people I love because they do free publicity for me. <laughs> this guy. Do you know how many times the skeptics have tried to shoot me down? Do you know how many times Randy tried to ruin my career? But they fail miserably. Pick up National Enquirer or other paper and you'll find a billion psychics. Look at movies that Hollywood produces about UFOs and the psychic powers and paranormal activity. Are you kidding me? It's much bigger than ever. Yeah. Well, we see Randy on a talk show. And remember the people that are the true believers? Yes. They're just laying. The, Ran the Randites. They're, no, they're the true <coughs> believers of the PK. Right, 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 right. They're grilling and giving Randy a tongue lash. Oh, I see, I see, I see. You are negative. You are setting up uh, your own standards. And what you're not understanding is that the key to realizing any kind of psychic phenomenon is first believing in it, not the other way around. Oh, boy. Once you believe it will happen, it will happen. Even you, sir, the not-so-amazing Randy, are psychic, whether Whoa. you want to believe it or not. Holy smokes, that well, guy really was mad. Yeah, and the losers in the audience, yeah. they're all applauding for him. That guy's setting back uh, the paranormal... Uh, because he's like, uh, believe it first. Don't uh, think it's real. There's another complete loser. And he's like, there are millions and millions of people on this planet who have other ways of intuiting and sensing. You're giving us all a bad name. Another complete loser. Why I can read my cat's mind. Why don't you read a few papers and correct yourself? Mr. Fluffy. Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Another talk show loser. You say Yuri Geller is a fake. You came here and you're giving everybody a lot of lip service and you haven't done anything. We're going for a commercial break and you could piss off. And he just like walks off the set. Wow. And then he's like, we'll be back. <laughs> he's all fucking frustrated. So, I love it. Randy says, go to a fucking commercial. <laughs> yeah. The public really doesn't listen. When they're being told straightforward facts. Yeah. They'd rather accept the charismatic character that tells them uh, uh, what they think 
the truth. Like 9-11. Well, they flash back to Peter Popoff preaching like a lunatic. I tell you from now on, you're going to have a song of victory in your heart. Well, according to Randy, he says they'd rather have the big romance and the lies. Geller, there are a billion believers out there. A billion people believe in God. You can't touch that. This is what Randy's trying to do. He's trying to say this is a big hoax, so everybody else is a hoax too. He's trying to say that nothing divine is being spoken, but actually our ratings are up. (laughs) Fucking. So uh, remember when we talked about Popoff getting back into business? Yeah. So he just, Alex's, Jason's theory is he just, as the people get dumber, your products can get dumber. Sure. That you're selling. That's when he came out with the Chernobyl water. Yeah. Because he's like, if I already got them and got busted, I know they're dumb. Yeah. So let's see how far I can go with the dumbness. You guys can make a table out of my 500 day supply of food and you buy about 10 of them. You put a piece of cardboard over it and you got your test with a table. Food table. Food table. <laughs> food table. That thing, that cardboard. F- <laughs> food table last. Great band name. <laughs> 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 food table preppers uh, no I'm going to a food table made out of cardboard tonight yeah. what are you doing <laughs> oh I'm going too I got tickets in the front row well Alex Jason says at this point Randy and I once talked about it and I said you know maybe we're on the wrong side of the business <laughs> food table <laughs> so stupid. we should be on that side uh, I mean those guys are the ones that are making millions of dollars a month or more selling prep food yeah and I mean I would buy it I mean, why don't we it's just join them if it's we can't beat them? That shit's gone up from like one hundred fifty dollars to like two hundred fifty dollars for those for those boxes. <clears throat> even before uh, the prepper boxes, yeah. Even before, uh, I mean, it's pretty good to. Have. I, I was considering buying, and we're not going to continue on with this. Yeah. But I was this consi- is like I, a get uh, get a, a bug ba- bug out bag, right? Sort of, yeah. But this, but I I am in seriously thinking about buying a pallet of MREs for like twenty five hundred bucks. And that lasts like one person almost like four years of food. Dude, they there was something I saw recently. I followed this group on Facebook called One Meal a Day. Ship Found in Walls. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, it's great. And one guy r- broke into a wall and he it was. Hello, look, I found more wall. He no, he found <laughs> nothing but MREs from Sick. 1962. Ah. And they opened them up. Yeah, and, and they were them? still good. I'm sure they were. Yeah. That's probably not good, but it's probably- All right. Um, Don't forget to eat the gum. Let's check in uh, with Randy. Um, they celebrate his birthday. This is in August of this the year this was made. And Steve reflects and says, in the early days, I think Randy sort of hid his true relationship with Jose. But I don't think Randy hid it for any bad reason. I think it was just a thing that people would use against him. And I think it took Randy a long time to understand that in this day and age, you don't have to hide those things anymore. And Jose says, I remember when Randy came out. Mm-hmm. It was in 2010 at the age of 81. I said, are you sure? But it was just a gesture of complete honesty out there. And morally, having built a life around the fact of telling the truth, he needed to come out publicly. So he says before it was all about becoming invisible and now it should be exactly the opposite. Yeah. So a month later, uh, Randy says, I was here in the house and I looked up out the window and I saw a uniformed officer outside. This is his home. They're all over the place. U.S. Marshals, 
Mm. FBI personnel circling around trying to prevent anyone from escaping. I was terrified. I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah, but they don't know I'm an escape artist. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea why they were there. I heard rapid knocking at the door. I went to the door and they pushed their way in and said, where is Jose Alvarez? Uh Uh-oh. And they put handcuffs on him and marched him out the door. Oh, boy. I saw him put in a car and just driven out of the driveway. Oh, boy. Well, we see Jose's mugshot. Mm -hmm. He's arrested for murder. Oh, shit. I'm just kidding. He's arrested Ah. for identity theft and Ah. passport fraud. I thought we were about to like go into a whole murder mystery. This is the big deception. (laughs) He's accused of living under a false identity for the past 25 years. Oh, as if we didn't know. He goes goes as a different person. He's a fucking magician. (laughs) They're all going under a fake identity. Title card up. Sorry. Title card up. The Jose Deception. I did <laughs> what I the had Jose to do. Deception. <laughs> Stupid. Well, Randy's home alone. Uh, Jose's in the joint, and he's he's like, "What a situation!" He's just putting toys on the floor and shit. Pay cans. When the police showed up and arrested my partner and took him away in handcuffs, I was desperate. Yeah. I was just standing at the edge of the dock, and there were no ships around, and I was hey, falling into the water. Down in the dock. <laughs> Looking for a doc. I didn't know what to do. No matter what his name is, I know who he is, and yeah. I know yeah. what he is as well. <laughs> An illegal alien. <laughs> we know. <laughs> He's my partner. He's very, very Get married so me. you can fucking make him illegal alien legal. Yeah, he'll be out in t- fucking 200 days. Uh, mm. Not that long. Six weeks. Ah, nothing. He's released on bond pending his sentence. And then went home and got bonded. Well, for the last 25 years... <laughs> Everybody has known me as Jose Alvarez, uh-huh. but in reality, my real name is <laughs> like it's like uh, it's like Manuel Sanchez. Like it does it's the same shit. It's Davy Orangel Pena Ortega. Uh, okay, I was born in Venezuela. Okay, raised in Caracas. There must be three hundred thousand Jose Alvarez's in his area. Alone. We're gonna get to it. That's probably why you picked it. We're gonna get to it. Okay, and in Venezuela, to be gay is the most despicable thing you can be. Mm. You knew that everybody uh, that was your friend or your loved one or whatever, they would turn against you. Yeah, cartels. They don't like like the gays. I just knew I couldn't hide it. So when I was 16 years old, I was at a party, and three guys came and grabbed me from behind, and one of them put a gun to my head and just started yelling all kinds of things, the little faggot, and so on and so on. I said, I have to get out of here or I will be killed. Mm. And I came here to study art, And I started saying like, wow, I don't have to be like, you know, who is looking at me? I don't have to hide. But still, it stays in your brain that in order to survive, I needed to pretend. But I just didn't have any way to stay in the country. And then I met Randy. So I actually found someone who got a name for me. And they told me that this person was deceased and that this name didn't belong to anyone. Hmm. So I wrestled with that situation for quite a while, whether to go ahead with this, but I didn't have a choice. So I decided to do it and take the name, but I wasn't really that aware of what I was doing and everything snowballed. Well, do you remember when we started, uh, Dave, and we began by introducing Jose on the game show to tell the truth. And he says, I am Jose Alvarez. I am Jose Alvarez. Yes. 
we flash back to that. It's a very okay. nice piece of filmmaking. And the announcer says, <laughs> oh, now we know where we got the name from. One of these men pretended to be possessed. Number two, what is your name? My name is Jose Alvarez. Only one of these people is Jose Alvarez, and only one is sworn to tell the truth. Now, I'm assuming that this was part of one of Randy's schemes when he created the Carlos character. And, you know, that Jose, you know, was probably put on the show as part of the schemes. They don't get into that. But back to Jose's real life situation. He says, I was trying to escape a terrible situation. I kind of got jailed in a different one. With the Jose Alvarez identity, I applied for a passport under the name and I went to Australia to play the Carlos hoax. Right. Well, Randy says, and I just set off to train him to be a so-called channeler. Yeah. Well, we see Jose as Carlos back in these vintage films. And it says, I have lived through many reincarnations. Uh My last one was Venezuela. Right. So you see him speaking the truth of his past while pretending to be the Carlos. And Randy's, you know, directing him, showing how to gesticulate and, you know, do his thing. He's like, keep those arms wide, you know, because you got to be big on stage. And they used the Peter Popoff technique when Carlos was pretending to be the guru. Uh So people would ask him questions. And he'd know the guy. Randy fed him all of the questions with the secret earpiece. Sick. And Randy says he did a great job. Yeah. Um, and we see Jose as Carlos again. And he says, the whole thing was totally against my persona. I knew that I was playing this fictitious character. I just felt like a phony. Right. So obviously we see here why you feel like one, right? We see the dualism of man here, but I mean, it's a pretty genius, genius, like marketing technique. Like first you do the, you have the whole circuit of doing the thing. And then you go on and do another circuit of how you faked all of it. Well, but, he, but he never would have done a circuit of faking it unless that he actually got popped while this movie was being filmed. I thought like, I thought, okay, okay, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like filmmaker, documentary filmmakers, they live for this kind of shit. Yeah. And then it takes their film in an entirely different right. direction. Yeah. He lucked into this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the FBI just happened to come crashing at his door. Right. So... Back to the tell the truth show. The announcer says, the moment of truth is about to arrive. Will the real Jose Alvarez please stand up? Yeah, I wonder if like the film documentary people are like, hmm, they little, maybe, uh, maybe they knew and set him up. They set up the whole thing. Fucking pussies. I doubt it. Well, Steve Shaw says, the problem is once you start to tell, to tell people that you're genuine, it's really hard to step away from that because you've lied to people. You've lied to their face. It was extremely difficult when I was fooling the scientists, you know, and then at first I saw them as the enemy. It was me against the enemy. But over time, they actually become your friends. Uh, Michael adds, were we violating laws? Probably. Was it fraud in some cases? Most definitely. Did we look at it that way at the time? I don't think any of us did because we thought the ends justified the means. Mm -hmm. Yuri slips in here. Deception has so many layers. <clears throat> I mean, you have the zenith of deception and people go to jail for that. But then you have magicians. They manipulate the truth. They yeah. are in the business of deceiving people. Yeah, but you're paying to be deceived. Well, exactly. And Jamie Ian Swiss says, Alpha and Carlos and Popoff. 
these incredible revelations of deceptions. They're actually sort of giant cons in their own right, but they're cons on the right side. This is what it means to be an honest liar. It's the difference between using deception to conceal the truth and using deception to reveal the truth. Now, we get back to Randy in his home. He's awaiting Carlos, you know, his return. Uh-huh. And the director's interviewing him one-on-one. And the director says, up until now, you really haven't said anything about Jose being Devi. Here's where I'd like to start. I think it would be good if you said something like, I feel I should come clean. No, 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 no. That admits guilt. I should make something clear. That's much better. Director, are you afraid of the ramifications? I have all kinds of fears. Yes. Fear of what? I'm not, con- I don't understand what you're saying. If I don't have to say, yes, I knew he had a false identity and he perpetrated it on the American nation. I don't want to say that. Look at what he was going through. He was going through hell. If he went back to Venezuela, he would he would be constantly victimized and abused and attacked. No, I couldn't see that. I I had to accept what I saw happening. No, none of this must be used. I mean, really, I thought that if any of this would be used, I would abandon the film entirely. Well, obviously, we know what's in the film. Yeah. So... The director says, no, 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 you know, we don't have to put it in the film. And he says, but I'm being honest with you. Now, I'm being taped at the same time, and I have to trust you, and I will, and I do. And the director pushes him, and he says, but we discussed this. I'm willing to say the story that I gave you on this camera. That's fine, okay? I'm not asking you to do anything else, but I want the rest of it to vanish. Right. Please. Wow. The last part? Ooh, vanish. Woo. <laughs> the last part? Yes, understood. No worries. I trust you or I wouldn't be doing this. Thank you. It's a very tense scene. Yeah. Very tense. I bet. Well, Weisman says we all spin personal narratives. And so when an event happens that doesn't fit this idea that he's this amazing truth teller and so on, then something has to happen to the event. And like everyone, he may well change a few facts around or rub it out completely. Yuri adds, in entertainment, there is kind of acceptability to deceive. Mm -hmm. It's like when there are two Picasso paintings on the wall. One is fake, one is uh, real, but they look the same. There's no harm in that. At the end of the day, there's nothing to reveal because what I do is real. What what you do is real. (laughs) (laughs) So, Way to justify it. Nine months after his arrest, Uh Devi Pena's sentencing hearing is held. Okay. Randy says, I... I think I slept maybe an hour or two last night. Mm -hmm. And today we officially find out what the judge has to say. Um, It's got to be the right thing. Wait, nine months after he's arrested? That's when the sentencing, he 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 got bailed out, out, but they they had to do all that stuff. And, you know, Randy says this guy's specifically an immigration judge, and apparently he likes to suggest removal. Um, And that would be the end of of him and the end of us. His life literally hangs in the balance. And I feel somehow that I've got to come out with some rabbit out of the hat to try and get him back here where he belongs and not behind bars. Well, the cameras aren't allowed in the courtrooms. Debbie pleads guilty to the charges. 
Uh, and then for three hours, his friends and supporters testify on his behalf. And Jose, well, now Debbie, describes it as being in a state of total suspension, just waiting to find out what the sentence was. Randy says it was something I had hoped for that we'd all hoped for, and we won. Nice. Debbie is given time served, six months house arrest, and 150 hours of community service. Hell yeah. You went home and sucked on that. However, because of his actions, he is not presently eligible for U.S. citizenship. Oh. So, and he breaks down. And he's just grateful that he can stay with Randy and that he's not going to get deported. Right. Um, Randy says, I'm not one person. I've got a partner. For the last quarter century, I've had this partner. Yeah, it doesn't re- really even matter if he's a U.S. citizen or not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love conquers all. Love's bigger than yes, citizenship. Yes, it is. And Jose says, I know Randy. He has a, a mission out there in the world is the amazing Randy, but his compassion People don't know how much he cares. And when he sees someone is in distress and it's not just on a social level, but on a personal level. Right. And I include myself specifically in that equation uh, that he will do whatever is necessary to save somebody. Yay. So towards the end of the film here, we get to go to see Jose's finished mural and um, they line up and take a picture and it's pretty cool. And he's, he's dead. No. Randy, uh, Jose's been working on this mural, this massive mural at the Arts and Culture (laughs) Center. Yeah, yeah, I know you told me, but it's just weird to have a mural with somebody. It's not... Yeah. Well, Steve says, Randy said years ago, there's nothing that a man can make that I can't get out of. That line is actually a Houdini line. Oh. And the difference was that Houdini, you know, if someone ever did bring something like a pair of handcuffs that he couldn't get out of, Houdini's guys, or goons rather, would take out that guy in the back and beat the shit out of him. No shit, <laughs> yeah. really? And the audience never saw the guy again. Wow. I thought, wow. That's but I bet you, hilarious. But I, oh, well, yeah, it makes sense. It's fucking entertainment. It's show business. Yeah. Open his fucking head with the door. <laughs> but I bet you anything. Randy truly believed there was nothing he couldn't get out of or make it at least seem like he was getting out I of I mean, them. open the door with his head is what I meant to say. I, I knew where you were going. Um, Jamie adds, and I'll quote him directly, I'm a magician, I know how to deceive people, and I know how to recognize when people are being deceived. Right. I can cheat you countless different ways and you won't know. You won't catch me. Randy says, some people cannot believe that a magician can fool them in such a way that they can't figure it out. But magicians can... And magicians do. Don't be too sure of yourself. Ah. No matter how smart or well-educated you are, you can be deceived. Right. And that's how we conclude the film. Titles up, An Honest Liar. Yay. Um, Let's do a little Where Are They Now? Yeah. Alex Jason, the man that uh, bugged the uh, Peter Popov. Um, He now works as a crime reconstruction expert. Steve Shaw, a.k.a. Banachek, is still right. a mentalist performing. Hell yeah. Uh, Michael Edwards. Hey, by the way, mentalist. I never brought this up the whole time, but yeah. do you ever remember that uh, skit from Matt TV back in the day about with Chris never Angel? Never saw an episode. I never saw a clip of those Matt TV. Okay, they're fucking the Chris Angel ones. It's really fucking funny. Street uh, magic stuff. Michael Edwards is still pulling tricks and yeah. uh, is a company executive in Phoenix. Oh, I thought you meant like sucking some cocks. 
for some money. <laughs> you sounded like Papa. You got cock on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> what's up? What's up with all the dicks? Yeah. <laughs> Yuri Geller no longer refers to himself as a psychic. He now calls himself a mystifier. <laughs> uh, Yuri Geller mystifier seems like a shabism. They close the they close the show uh, the credits with Yuri Geller. M I S T A mystifier F I I F I R E. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Mr. Fire. We see Yuri Geller <laughs> on <Sorry>. QVC. <clears throat> right. Selling nine carat gold faceted crystal twin oval rings for 141 pounds a piece. What are they supposed to do? Well, he says his jewelry is a catalyst to the powers of your mind. <laughs> so bullshit. This is interesting. The real Jose Alvarez missed his sister's wedding in Jamaica because he couldn't get a passport. Yeah. That's why she had it in Jamaica. <laughs> Oh, fucking motherfuckers here to do some magic. No, the real Jose Alvarez. Oh, whatever. Oh, what? Oh. That he stole the identity from. Oh, shit. He went to go get a passport to go to his sister's wedding. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Um, Two weeks after the same-sex marriage was legalized federally, Randy and Debbie traveled to Washington, D.C., and they did get married, as you suggested they do. But they wouldn't let him have his citizenship. Uh, I don't think so. The last scene is a shot of them getting... uh, married and then a vintage shot of randy escaping from a straight jacket cool and then one final note you heard that you heard that conversation between the director and randy when randy's like you cannot put this in the film right well randy gave the filmmakers permission to use all of his interviews that appeared in the film so it's not like the director screwed him over or anything right 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 now dave yes <laughs> i know we've covered a lot Yes. But I'm sure in the back of your mind, yes. you've been asking yourself, how do they bend the spoons? Yeah, I'm, uh, I want to know how they bent the spoons. Well, <clears throat> parapsychologists have conducted... There is no spoon. Okay. Parapsychologists... Why don't you give me a little intro music, a little Simpsons music on spoon bending? <laughs> do we need one of these? No. no background no, music? There's no singing. Okay. Parapsychologists have conducted hundreds of experiments to determine whether spoon bending is a genuine psychic phenomenon. Physicist John Hasted believed that children could paranormally bend paper clips inside a glass sphere, provided the sphere had a hole in it and they were allowed to take the sphere into a room unobserved. What? I mean, what the <laughs> fuck's going on? What's happening here, guys? What are we doing here, dude? Jesus Christ, guys. Uh, science writer ay, ay, ay. and skeptic Martin Gardner wrote that Haystead was incapable of devising simple controls such as videotaping the children secretly. Was he? Stephen North, a British psychic, was tested by Haystead in the late 70s. Now, Haystead claimed North had the PK ability to bend spoons and teleport objects in and out of sealed containers. According to James Randi, during the test conducted by Hasted at Birkbeck College, North was observed to have bent a metal sample with his bare hands. North was tested in Grenoble on 19 December 1977 in scientific conditions, and the results were negative. Hmm. Well, Jean-Pierre Girard, a French psychic, has claimed he can bend JPG. metal bars by PK. Cool. Gerard was tested in the 70s, but failed to produce any paranormal effects in scientifically controlled conditions. Right. Uh, he was tested in a two-hour experiment in a Paris laboratory. 
Um, the uh, experiments were negative as he failed to move any objects. I will now make you pass out with my body odor. <laughs> He failed two more tests in Grenoble with uh, James Randi. Um, and he also failed to bend any bars or change the structure of the metals. Other experiments into spoon bending were also negative, and witnesses described his feats as fraudulent. Gerard later admitted that he would sometimes cheat to avoid disappointing the public, but insisted he still had genuine psychic powers. Right. Uh, John Taylor? No, 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 no. Just believe me. Trust me, bro. John Taylor? He has tested children in metal bending. I don't understand this concept of why do we get out of to go to the kids? This is like because they're they're pure doggy. Is it like Drew Barrymore and Firestarter? Like fucking their 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 mind hasn't been corrupted uh, by the cloud of uh, whatever the fuck. Okay, and they're not horny yet. Okay, well according according to and I'm sure there's diddling involved. According to Gardner, the controls were inadequate as the children would. Uh, put paper clips in their pockets and in their nose and later take one out to be twisted. No shit. <laughs> really? No. The children would do that? Oh. Um, in another test with Taylor, Randy managed to bend an aluminum bar when Taylor was not looking and he even scratched in with the metal bending machine bent by Randy into the spoon. Yay. In other experiments, two scientists from the University of Bath examined metal bending with children <laughs> It sounds like a fucking uh, library <laughs> that thing. It sounds like a band name gone wrong. I know, but it's like it's like a, it's like a library. It's like, all right, how are we gonna extend out to the children? All right, let's do some metal bounding on the weekends. Well, the film revealed that the children did in fact bend the objects with their hands and feet. Uh due to the evidence of trickery, Taylor concluded metal bending had no paranormal basis. Oh. Uh, in an experimental study, this is by Weisman. I'm glad, we threw, I'm glad we threw thousands of dollars to figure that out. We didn't. The French did. Mm-hmm. We're good. Yeah. Uh, this is a study from 2005. Two groups of participants were shown a videotape in which a fake psychic placed a bent key on a table. Yeah. Participants in the first group heard the fake psychic suggest that the key was continuing to bend when it had remained stationary, while those in the second group did not. The results revealed that participants from the first group reported significantly more movement of the key than the second group. The findings were replicated in another study. The experiments had demonstrated that testimony for PKMB, you know what that stands for? No. Psychokinetic metal bending. (laughs) After effects can be created by verbal suggestion. Uh-huh. And therefore, the testimony from individuals power who have observed allegedly genuine demonstrations of such effects should not be seen as strong evidence in support of the paranormal. Now, here, let's get specific to these methods, because I know it's not just you that wants to know how the fucking spoon bending works. Right. When a spoon is physically bent or broken, it is usually at the point where the object would be easiest to bend by hand. That makes sense, right? right? The typical bend where the bowl meets the handle requires relatively little force. Another method uses a metal spoon that has been prepared by repeatedly bending the spoon back and forth. Right. Applying light pressure will then cause it to bend or break. So right. they pre-prep the Pre- fucking yeah, spoons. Yeah, 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 yeah. The magician then holds together the two halves of the spoon as if it were unbroken then slowly relaxes their grip, making the spoon appear to bend before splitting in two. 
Right. This is also very important. If a magician has control over the angle, the trick can be done by using a spoon that is already bent at the start of the trick. Ah. This is where the sleight of hand comes into play. Yeah. The spoon is initially held with the bend along the viewing angle, making it invisible. Boy, this guy must be hated by heroin addicts. The magician. Or loved, I can't tell. <laughs> hated. The magician then turns the spoon heroin slowly. Heroin addicts hate him. That should go on his poster. The magician <clears throat> then turns the spoon slowly to reveal the bend. The magician Ben Harris published step-by-step photographs and text showing how to bend keys and cutlery by trick methods. Some novelty or magic shops sell self-bending spoons, uh, utilizing the physical properties of a shape memory alloy. So now they're so good, it's like Terminator 2. Yeah. You just go in and say, give me a, give me a Skynet. Fucking yeah, dipper. Seriously. Yeah. Um, so these self-bending spoons will bend themselves when used to stir tea, coffee, or any warm liquid. Uh-huh. So that's you like his wife. Well, if you had like a or like Alvarez, is like, ah, damn it, Randy, you put the <laughs> you put the 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 right the, the, the trick spoons in the drawer again. My sounds uh, like a far side cartoon. Yeah, almost. my the head of my spoon fell into my tea. Well, Dave, yes. I'm wondering. Yes, that you're probably wondering. Yes. Can I get some more information on this Yuri Geller guy? Yes, please, if you don't mind. We got a sim session. Sim. Inception. That's coming later. Oh. It's coming close. Okay. So Geller claims that he is a distant relative of Sigmund Freud. Oh. Yep. Um, he actually served in the Israeli army. Um, he was wounded in the Six-Day War oh. in action. He was a, a photographic model oh. in uh, the late 60s, and that's where he also began to perform in small audiences as a nightclub entertainer, mm. being very popular in Israel. Oh. Now, Geller first started to perform in these public halls, auditoriums, and military bases in Israel. And the parapsychologist Andra Puark, Puharich met Geller in 71, and she got him to the United States. So obviously, he started out with psychokinesis and telepathy, but he also claimed to be a dowser. Uh, like, oh, what is that? Give me a little Simpsons within a Simpsons. Dowsing uh-huh. is a type of divination employed in attempts to locate groundwater. Remember when he was talking oh, okay. about the buried sure. metals and sure, shit? Sure, sure. Um, and they also use it to find radiation. Huh? Uh, oil, gemstones, mm. even grave sites, uh, and many other objects. It's also known as water divining or doodle bugging. Uh, doodle bugging. Yeah. So you've never seen the pictures of like a guy that's got a Y-shaped twig? I have seen that. That's what dousing is. So they walk around, you know, with the fucking stick. Okay. It's, it's supposed to tell them which which direction the the good shit is. Mm -hmm. Well, the motion of such dowsing devices is generally attributed to the ideomotor phenomenon, Mm. which is a... You should be pointing to the hospital because you're a fucking (laughs) retard. (laughs) Well, the ideomotor phenomenon is a psychological response where a subject makes motions unconsciously. Put simply, dowsing rods Mm -hmm. respond to the user's accidental or involuntary movements. 
It's like your tongue. Have you ever looked at your tongue? Yes. If you've never looked at your tongue, go <laughs> walk into a mirror and go look at your tongue, uh-huh. and it'll move involuntarily huh. on its own. Like twitches? All right, hold on. For those no, of you no, listening, no, no. We're not doing a I'm pulling my tongue t- out. Just tongue watch out my test. tongue. Yeah, we're watching the tongue. Like, Yeah, like it, it's hard to keep still is what you're, is what you're it's saying. It's involuntarily moving the whole time. Huh. Okay. Well, scientific evidence shows that dousing is no more effective than random chance. Uh, so it's regard- it does involuntarily move. <laughs> Dude, if you really uh, want to enjoy the involuntary tongue, sit- get baked <laughs> and then go look at I your tongue. I was going to say, for the next hour, I'm going to sit in my bed just fucking <laughs> my tongue's moving. Uh. You know where I learned that? When you were baked? Nope. I learned that in my acting speech class, mm. my vocal class. In cool class, guy, probably like dude. 17. Fucking cool. Well, would you like to hear about the history of dousing? No, we're already in. We're already in. Okay. Dowsing originated in ancient times, ah. but because it was treated as a form... Dave, do you want to hear about ancient times? <laughs> because it was treated as a form of divination, the Catholic Church banned the practice completely. <laughs> Reformer Martin Luther perpetuated the Catholic mm. ban in 1518, listing... White guy, right? Yep. <laughs> listing <laughs> divining for metals as an act that broke the first commandment of occultism. Uh-huh. So in 1662, divining with rods was recl- uh, declared to be superstitious or rather satanic huh. by a Jesuit named Gaspar Schott, uh-huh. though he later noted that he was not sure... <clears throat> that the devil was always responsible for the movement of the rod. Well, let's hear more about the Jesuits. In southern France in the 17th century, it was used to track criminals and heretics. So when the posse was no good, yeah. they'd get the Y-shaped stick out yep. <laughs> to go find the yep, fucking yep, people yep, hiding. Yep. Oh, my, sta- my, sh- my stick is shaking. <clears throat> well, um, this is interesting. Despite religious disapproval, dousing was practiced in Germany during the 16th century, much as it is practiced today when it was used in attempts to find metals. The 1550 edition of Sebastian Munster's Cosmographia contains a woodcut of a dowser with forked rod in hand walking over a cutway image of a mining operation. The rod is labeled in Latin and German, Virgula Divina. Yeah, so you know that it's not full of shit. It sound it stands for rod divine or luck rod. <laughs> rod. Some girls may say I have. The <laughs> I rod. got a luck rod, but there is <laughs> no is divine. There is no text oh. accompanying this woodcut. Hmm. Well, by 1556, Georgius uh, Agricola, his treatment of mining and smelting of ore, de re metallica, ah. included a detailed description of dowsing for metal ah. ore. Uh, I'm, I think that that's where Metallica got its name, by the mm, way. The Day Ram Metallica. Um, so anyway, this shit went on through like all the Middle Ages. And uh, it was even used in this country. Um, it is l- late as like the 19th and 20th century for homesteaders to find yeah. waters for wells on the Honey, property. We don't need any directions to California on the covered wagon. We got, we got our dowser. Well, get this, dude. It was also used in the Vietnam War mm. by some Marines mm-hmm. t- for locating weapons and tunnels. And uh, I can imagine what they called that thing. 
And in uh, 1986, when 31 soldiers were taken by avalanche during an operation in the NATO Drill Anchor Express in Vasdalen, Norway, the Norwegian army attempted to locate the, the buried soldiers using dowsing. Um, still used in Britain by farmers. And, uh, <laughs> and the Amish, so you know it's not full of shit? Well, listen to this. A huh. study towards the end of the 19th century concluded that the phenomenon was attributed to cryptothesia, mm. where the practitioner makes unconscious observations of the terrain mm. and involuntary influ influences the movement of the rod. Think about oh. that really quick, quickly. There is a term so it's like a Ouija board. for this bullshit on top of bullshit. Yeah, yeah. So you could thank the you know you could thank the tinfoil hatters for that. You're but you're making an unconscious observation yeah. around the terrain and then having an involuntary yeah, muscle the same, response. Yeah, but, it's the same thing like when a dog walks into a room right, and you're observing a dog. Cryptothesia. Yeah, you're, you're observing the dog. It's the same. This is the exact same thing that 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 dousing is. You're observing your dog. Your dog walks in. It looks left, and it looks right. And it's just like, I'm going to go that way. And well, it just picks away. And you're like, what was that dog thinking to go that way? This is literally that. And the truth is nothing. Well, James he Randy. just went that way. James Randy was obviously uh, not pro-dousing. Yeah. So in. Pro-de-lousing. <laughs> he actually came out and denounced <laughs> a dowser. Denounced that, the dowser. That was a device that was selling for $800 at the time. Denounced uh, the denounced the dowsing. No, no, no. Denounced the dowsing dowser. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, the in the device. late 20th and early 21st centuries, a number of dowsing-like devices were marketed for modern police and military use, mm. primarily as explosive detectors. Yeah. Such as, this is interesting, the ADA-651 designed by Sniffex. Okay. And the GT200. That's what I need. I need a sniff X, dude. In consequence of these frauds, in 1999, the U.S. National Institute of Justice issued advice against buying equipment based on dowsing. Right. The device used by a dowser is typically referred to um, as a divining rod, even though it doesn't have to be rod-shaped. Right. So, like I said, back in the day, they would use twigs. Particularly yeah. made by witch hazel branches. Oh. Um, apparently. Because it's got the word witch in it. Probably. <laughs> and then the ones I've seen, they're these two rods. They're okay. like L-shaped rods. And you okay. put your hand on the little part of the L. Mm -hmm. And then when they come together, that's supposedly leading you in the right direction. Ah. So I've seen those in action before. Cool. I You can use a coat hanger, you know. Uh, for more than one thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all you need to know is that there have been studies uh, throughout history and that it's all been proven to be bullshit. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the the dowsing doesn't work. Uh, James Randi also offered uh, $10,000 if anybody could prove they were a successful dowser. Right. And nobody's been able to come, come sure. up to prove that dowsing's legit. So... Once Geller bombed on Carson, everybody thought he was going to go, you know, to just wither away into obscurity. But we talked about how he got to Merv Griffin from that and ultimately parlayed his success into millions and millions of dollars. Well, by the mid-80s, 
he was a self uh, made millionaire several times over. And um, in June 86, the Australian skeptic reported that Geller had been paid 350,000 and granted an option of 1.25 million Xanax shares huh? for successfully mineral dousing for miners. What? So everybody so says it's impossible. And, <laughs> I don't see, know what a Xanax see, share is, but Z- well, like he, the point how's is it spelled Z Z A N E C. Maybe mm. it's I don't know some, but the whole point is everybody comes out says dousing is fucking bullshit. Yeah, and he's able to fucking score a three hundred fifty thousand dollar cash payment and whatever the fuck these Xanax shares are. That sounds like money laundering. Yeah, probably. They're like, yeah, it's just uh. Ooh, this guy picked a picked what are the he's a consultant. We uh picked the picked the right spot. Well, in they, two th- and and they just buy it from the Chinese or something like that. Well, listen to this. In 2013, a BBC documentary entitled The Secret Life of Yuri Geller yeah. slash Psychic Spy featured Geller, Benjamin Netanyahu, okay, Christopher Kit Green, Paul okay. H. Smith, member um Pudoff and Targ. From the first study? Yes. They're there. Whoa. And the documentary claimed Geller became a psychic spy for the CIA, recruited by Mossad, and worked as an official secret agent in Mexico, being a frequent guest of uh, President uh, Portillo at the time. Huh. In the film, Uh Geller claims that he erased floppy disks carried by KGB agents Uh by repeatedly chanting the word erase. But wait, there's more. Here are his paranormal claims. He claimed his feats are the result of paranormal powers given to him by extraterrestrials. Wow. Uh-huh. Meat sorp? Uh, according to the Committee for the Scientific Investigation mm-hmm. of Claims of the Paranormal, also known as CSI COP, Okay. Was a prominent early critic of Geller. Sp- skeptics, including Randy, have shown uh-huh. that Geller's tricks are obviously staged Bullshit. tricks. And then um, under hypnosis, Geller claimed he was sent to Earth by extraterrestrials from a spaceship 53,000 light years away. Hmm. Gator, uh, he, Geller later denied the space fantasy claims, but affirmed there is a slight possibility that some of my energies do have extraterrestrial wow. connection. Jesus Christ, this guy just loves fucking bullshit and spinning. He's lying. He might be schizophrenic. Well, Geller also claims that he teleported a dog through the walls of his house. Oh. <laughs> Did it hurt? Science writer Martin Gardner wrote, did it hurt the dog that since no expert on fraud was there an observer, nobody should take the claim seriously. No, no, nobody nobody saw it. No fucking shit. (laughs) Jesus Christ. No, no, no. These kids, these kids were observed to do this thing inside of a glass thing as long as it had a hole that nobody can observe them. Yeah. I was like, okay. What'd you do this weekend? Transported my dog across the living room. <laughs> what the fuck do you do? Through the wall. <laughs> Through the wall, doggy. Right. Through the wall. Through the wall, doggy, literally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so remember when Ge- uh, Geller said he was communicating with aliens? Yep. 
He says the computers sent messages to warn humanity that a disaster is likely to occur if humans do not change oh, their ways. This guy just, just watch Terminator? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. You have to make sure that people are concerned about their well-being if you're going to tell one of these crazy yeah, fucking tales. Of course. Um, so Scientology got started. Pretty much. Um, in 1992, Geller was asked to investigate the kidnapping of Hungarian model Helga Farkas. Helga Farkas. Yeah, Helga Farkas, Morgas Farkas. <laughs> he predicted she would be found in good health, but she was never found and is widely <laughs> believed to have been murdered. <laughs> Can't win them all, bro. <laughs> um, uh, Geller was a friend of Bruce Bursford and helped him train his mind during some cycling uh, during some cycling speed record breaking mm. bids in the 1990s. Very fun. Uh, this is fun. In 97, Geller was involved in uh, second division football club at Exeter City by placing energy infused crystals behind the goals at Exeter's grounds to help the club win a crucial end of season game. You want to guess the score of the final of that game? Uh, what, uh, what kind of game was it? Soccer. Soccer. You, you put, zero to zero. No. Zero to one. No, they lost five to one. Five to so one. the Crystals obviously didn't, didn't help. Shoot. So after their crucial loss, yes. the club appointed him co-chairman of the club. <laughs> Just like <laughs> Which, Hollywood, you fail up. Yeah. <laughs> so then the club was relegated uh, for uh, five additional years. Thoughts impressed to the writers out there. And then they severed ties with them. Yes. But then he also got involved with Reading FC and claimed in 2002 that he had helped them to avoid relegation. All the way up to 2002, he was scheming these fucking Brits, huh? No, he kept going. He uh. After he got booted from that club, yeah. he goes to another club. And he says, I'm going to help you avoid relegation. No, crystals are out. Now but we're using mole skin. No, he says, all the club supporters have to look into my eyes ah. and say, win, Redding, win. Ah. Redding manager Alan Pardue dismissed Geller's role in the club survival, which was achieved thanks to a draw in a critical match, stating, as soon as we get a bit of joy, thanks to all the hard work and efforts of my staff and players, he suddenly comes out of the blue and tries to claim the limelight. Well, in a 2008... Yeah, we brought him in as a goof. <laughs> in 2008, Geller told Tel Telepolis, I said to this German magazine, so what I did say that I changed my character to the best of my recollection, and I no longer say that I do supernatural things. It doesn't mean that I don't have powers. It means that I don't say it's supernatural. Right. This They're is when he says... <laughs> <laughs> this is what he says. Don't call me a psychic anymore. I'm a Mr. Fire. Ah, Mr. Fire. Yup. And then he said in that interview, uh, he explained when asked how he did his stunts, he tells children to forget the paranormal, forget spoon bending. Instead of that, focus on school, mm -hmm. become a positive thinker, believe in yourself and create a target. Go like, he's like one of these guys that like is in rehab. Or fucking, totally. <clears throat> don't, don't go out there and be a missing. Do we use these today for people who are like uh, spreading misinformation on the internet? Well, he says, don't drink, don't smoke, don't ever touch drugs and think of success. Yeah. Um, in March of 2019, The Guardian reported that Geller wrote an open letter to British Prime Minister Theresa May stating he would telepathically prevent her from leading Britain out of the European, or European Union. In Geller's words, as much as I admire you, 
I will stop you telepathically from doing this. This is like a dinner with schmucks kind of a thing. <laughs> and believe me, I'm capable of executing it. Despite this, of course, as we know, the United Kingdom left the European Union. <laughs> Bombed again. Yeah. This is like these are like uh, these are like Kramer's uh, tips. These are like Kramer's stock tips. Well, he's been dealing with a lot of shit for a long time, and in the seventies, um, uh, he a court ordered Geller to refund a customer's ticket price. And pay costs after finding that he had committed fraud by claiming his feats were telepathic. Mm. Telepathic. Mm -hmm. in, in a 1974 article in Halom Haza, uh, alleged that Geller's manager, Shippy Strang, and Shippy's sister, Hannah Strang, <laughs> string. Uh, I good. hamstring my hamstring. <laughs> Hannah Strang secretly helped in <laughs> Geller's performances. In his first autobiography, My Story, he acknowledged that in his early career, his manager talked him into adding magic tricks to make his performances last longer. The trick involved Geller appearing to guess and by numbing it. Guess audience members' car registration numbers, oh, which his manager had given to him ahead of time. So he just goes in the parking lot and like starts taking things exactly. down, calls the some, exactly. some motherfucker, and like, all right, here's a... Um, Geller, uh, the spoon-bending feats were also discussed in the Geller Papers in 1976, uh, edited by Charles Panati. There was controversy when it was published. Several prominent magicians came forward to demonstrate that Geller's psychic feats could be duplicated by simple stage magic. Martin, Martin Gardner wrote that Panati had been fooled by Geller's trickery and the Geller papers were an embarrassing anthology. Well, during telepathic drawing demonstrations, mm. Geller claimed the ability to read the minds of subjects as they drew. Although in these demonstrations, he can't see the picture being drawn, he is sometimes present in the room. And these occasions can see the uh, subjects as they draw. Critics argue this may allow Geller to infer common shapes from pencil movement and sound with the power of suggestion doing the rest. Geller admits, sure, there are magicians who can duplicate my performances through trickery. He has claimed that even though his spoon bending can be repeated using trickery, he uses psychic powers to achieve his results. Physicist Richard Feynman, who was an amateur magician, wrote in, Surely you're joking, Mr. Feynman, mm -hmm. that Geller was unable to bend a key for him and his son. Aww. James Randi stated that if Geller is truly using his mind to perform these feats, he's doing it the hard way. Hey, key bending could come in pretty uh, handy when you're when you got a bag at night, you know what I mean? Uh, I retired from key bumps. I don't I know. know what you mean. I know. Um, so let's get back to the Stanford Research Institute. Um, according to uh, an encyclopedia of claims, frauds, and hoaxes of the occult and supernatural, which mm. Randy wrote. Mm. Uh, their protocols for this serious investigation of the powers claimed by Geller were described by Ray Hyman, who investigated the project on what's pre-DARPA called again? ARPA. Correct. <laughs> Advanced Research Projects Agency is sloppy and inadequate. Critics have pointed out that both Pertoff or excuse me, Putoff and Targ were already believers in paranormal powers. Huh. And Geller was not adequately searched mm. before the experiments. Mm -hmm. um, and they were poorly designed and open to trickery. So how did he get away with that? I'm sure you've been asking yourself. Yes. How did he get away with that? Well, critics of the experiments. Motor. No. Critics of the experiments 
including David Marks and Richard Kamen, who published a description of how or, of how Geller could have cheated. Um, they wrote uh, in a 1980 book that they described how a normal explanation was possible for Geller's alleged psychic powers. When they went through all the research at yeah. SRI, they found Geller was allowed to peek through a hole in the laboratory wall separating him from the drawings he was being invited to reproduce. Ah, these, simple. These, yeah, these drawings were placed on a wall opposite the peephole, which the investigators Targ and Putoff had stuffed with cotton gauze. Mm -hmm. In addition to this error, the investigators had also allowed Geller access to a two-way intercom, mm. enabling him to listen to the investigators' conversations during times when they were choosing and or displaying target drawings. Very effective. Yeah, these guys are fucking dorks. Um, so Markson came in, concluded he had zero psychic ability whatsoever. And regarding the watches that he would get to work again, they were uh, broken and merely being stopped by gummy oil. So simply holding them in the hand would warm the oil enough to soften it yeah. and allow watches to resume ticking. Oh, weird. Now, That's cool. This guy's got a problem with litigation, too. Ah. So Geller, uh, of course, sued James Randi mm -hmm. uh, and a man named Gerard Majax. In 1971, a mechanical engineering student called Yuri Goldstein, called Yuri Goldstein, attended one of Geller's shows, and he sued the promoters for breach of contract, mm -hmm. similar to yeah. uh, Hamstring. Right, right. <laughs> Fuck her name. <laughs> <clears throat> he complained that Geller had promised a demonstration of several psychic powers, but had delivered only sleight of hand. The case went to civil court, and Geller was not present as the summons had been sent to the office of his promoter who had ignored it. Mm. Well, Goldstein was awarded $5 for breach of contract. Wow. Uh, he also admitted that he went to the show specifically with the intention of suing to get his money back. Right. And he'd already found a lawyer to represent him prior to attending the performance. Well, in 89... In an interview with the Japanese newspaper, Randy was quoted as saying that Geller had driven a scientist to shoot himself in the head. Okay. He was being he? hyperbolic. Yes. After finding out that he was fooled. Well, Randy, you know, says, hey, this is a metaphor lost in translation. So it got repeated in a newspaper. One scientist, a metallurgist, wrote a paper backing Geller's claims that he could bend metal. The scientist shot himself after I showed him how the key bending trick was done. In 1990, Geller then sued Randy in a Japanese court over those statements published in a newspaper. While Randy couldn't afford to defend himself, lost the case by default, the court declared Randy's statement an insult as opposed to libel and awarded a token judgment against Randy. Mm. He had to pay Geller only one third of 1% of what he demanded. <laughs> Since the charge of insult is only recognized in Chinese and Japanese law, Randy was not required to pay. Cool. So, yeah. Randy maintained. I bet Alex Jones wishes he was sued in Japanese court. Randy maintained until his death he never paid a dime to Geller. Well, there was another major lawsuit in 92, mm -hmm. and Geller filed a $15 million suit against Randy and CSI cop for statements made in an International Herald, Herald Tribune interview. 
Uh, but he was unsuccessful because the statute of limitations had expired. Ah, so pesky things. everything was dismissed and, you know, uh, he just kept going apparently because in 91 he sued Timex. Okay. Um, an advertising firm, Fallon McElliott for millions over an ad showing a person bending forks and other items, but failing to stop a Timex watch. He was sanctioned uh, for a frivolous lawsuit and had to pay $149,000. Um, Jesus Christ. Oh, dude, he sued. And then he sued Ikea over furniture, a furniture line featuring bent legs that was called the Yuri line. And this, this is the big one. Copyright claims lawsuit. He filed against Nintendo for $60 million over a Pokemon uh, species called Younger-er. Uh, which localized in English as Kadabra, which yeah. he claimed was an unauthorized appropriation of his identity. Oh, wow. The character has psychic abilities yeah. and carries a spoon. Yes. I've seen the character. <laughs> well, he lost that one too. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently he had to apologize, but he accused them of turning me into an evil occult Pokemon character. Uh, Michael Jackson was the best man at his wedding. Wow, but it didn't show up. Uh, no, he showed up. Huh. Um, well, that's why that's why we know they're doing experiments on kids now. Probably. Oh, it all comes together now. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> listen to this. In uh, February 2009, Geller purchased an uninhabited uh, island off the eastern coast of Scotland, previously known for its witch trials and beaches that Robert Louis Stevenson is said to have described in his famous novel, Treasure mm -hmm. Island. Well, mm -hmm. Geller claims that buried on the island is Egyptian treasure uh, brought there by Skoda, mm. the myth mythological half-sister of Tutankhamun. Wow. Uh, 3,500 years ago. He claimed that he will find the treasure through dowsing. Yes. Geller also claimed to have strengthened the mystical powers of the island by burying there a crystal orb once belonging to Albert Einstein. That'll be $350. In, I'll, I'll bill it to your PRT. In 2022, <laughs> Geller sought to declare Lamb as Republic of Lamb, huh. a micronation. Huh. So this island is 100 by 50 meters. So it sounds to me like he might be going island to Dr. Moreau. Yeah, there, I'm down. Bit. Let's do it. Um, that's pretty much all you need to know about this scumbag. Um he wrote 16 fiction and nonfiction books. Hmm. And he's got uh, a little cash. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's a piece of shit. Yep. Um, and then finally, I want to wrap things up with a couple of, you know, uh, notes on Randy because he was very accomplished and the documentary didn't touch on uh, a lot of things. Mm -hmm. um, he was the co founder of the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. And also founded uh, uh, JREF. Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, CSI. Yep. Uh, the James Randi Educational Foundation. Mm -hmm. So before he died, he sponsored the $1 million Paranormal Challenge. Mm -hmm. So the offer was, I'll give you a million dollars if you can prove any evidence of paranormal, supernatural, or occult Sounds like somebody's desperate. No, he's just... He's, yeah, no, I get it. He's like, hey, man, drumming up this some, is my uh, life's work. Drumming up some stuff. Uh, anyone is eligible to uh, apply? 
So if you think you have supernatural powers and want to go get a million, but apparently the uh, it's rigorous preliminary testing. Yeah. A couple of his personal accomplishments. So he did break Houdini's record of being um, submerged in the metal coffin. Um, the record Houdini created was 39 minutes. He went for 104. Oh, wow. But Randy being Randy says, just so you know, I'm much younger than at the time Houdini yeah. created this. So according to James Alcock, at a meeting where Randy was duplicating the performances of Yuri Geller, a professor from the University of Buffalo shouted out Randy was a fraud. And he said his usual line, I'm a trickster, I'm a, all those cool words we met, Ledger to Maynard. Um, and he said, that's not what I mean. You're a fraud because you're pretending to do these things through trickery, but you're actually using psychic powers and misleading us by not admitting it. Yeah. Well, there was another event with Senator Claire, Claiborne Pell, who was a confirmed believer in the psychic phenomena. And when Randy personally demonstrated to Pell that he could reveal a concealed drawing that he made for the senator, Pell mm -hmm. refused to believe it and saying it's not a trick and says, I think Randy may be a psychic and just doesn't realize it. Oh, my gosh. These people are fucking nuts. Yep. I bet he's a Republican. Uh, he he wrote, Randy himself wrote 10 books um, and then also contributed heavily to Skeptic Magazine, as you know. He was very close with uh, Isaac Asimov and Carl Sagan. Cool. And um, he donated uh, to Skeptical Inquirer. And they, they and secular humanist uh, philosopher Paul Kurtz took seats on the executive board with both Carl and uh, Isaac as the founding members. And that's when they sent Randy traveling around the world um, to be the public face of CSI. Comp. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So um, we kind of, we did all the, uh, the, uh, the lawsuits. Um, this is interesting. All the money he got from the MacArthur Foundation grant, yeah. He had to spend all that on lawsuits, yeah. defending himself. Oh, my gosh. So it wasn't just pop-off. He also went after faith healers W.V. Grant and another faith healer by the name of Ernest Angley. Hmm. So in 82, Randy verified the abilities of one Arthur Lintgen, a Philadelphia doctor who was able to identify the classical music recorded on a vinyl LP mm -hmm. solely by examining grooves on the record. Oh, that's cool. Yup. Although not so much. Lindgren didn't claim, not he didn't claim hard. he didn't claim to have paranormal abilities. He just knew how the grooves felt yeah. when he put his finger in it. Right. So um, this is, there's another famous uh, incident of an accordion player. Okay. Uh, named Daniel Douglas Holm, and he claimed to be able to play an accordion that was locked in a cage without touching it. Uh -huh. So he got caught cheating uh -huh. and was never made public. Well, listen to how he cheated. It's here. The actual instrument he used was a one-octave mouth organ concealed under his large mustache. Whoa. Yeah. Um. Apparently, these mouth organs were around since like the 60s. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that blew my mind. That's pretty cool. How do you hold? Pretty, how, pretty, do you hide, how do you hide an instrument in your fucking mustache? Yeah, it must be like just like a small little thing, like almost 
like yeah, like a flat kazoo kind of a thing. Yeah. Cool. So um, he also cool trick. He also claimed he didn't like the term debunker and preferred the term skeptic or investigator. And of course, Penn and Teller give their their credit to their entire career by being influenced by them. Yeah, um, especially about the Amazing Randy after reading the uh, Flim Flam. That's what got them started. And then um, during an episode of Exploring Psychic Powers, which was a live TV show. Yeah. A two-hour special in 89, Randy examined several people claiming psychic powers. This was hosted by Bill Bixby. Mm-hmm. And at the time offered a hundred thousand um prize for anybody to show genuine psychic powers. So now it's up to a million. It started at a hundred grand. Wow. And then an astrologer, this is great. Joseph Merriweather claimed he was able to ascertain a person's astrological sign after talking with them for a few minutes. Mm. He was presented with 12 people, one at a time, each with a different astrological sign. They were not allowed to tell Merriweather their actual astrological sign or birth date, nor could they wear anything that would indicate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After Merriweather talked to them, he had them go sit in front of their uh, uh, respective signs that he thought was theirs. And he agreed that if he got 10 to 12 correct, they would say you're a psychic. He got zero correct. What a fucking idiot. And then another psychic by the name of Barbara Martin claimed she could read auras around people. Yep. And that too. she said they were visible uh-huh. at least five inches <clears throat> above each person. Yep. So she selected 10 people and then uh, numbered them up one through 10, just tall enough to hide the volunteer while not hiding their aura. Unseen by Martin, some of the volunteers positioned themselves behind different screens. That's, that was how they were lining everybody up. Then she was invited to predict which screens hid volunteers by seeing their aura above. She stated that she saw an aura over all 10 screens, but people were behind only four of the screens. So she struck out, and then there was a dowser by the name of Forrest Bays that claimed he could detect water in a bottle inside a sealed cardboard box. Remember the cardboard box? Yeah. (laughs) So they showed him 20 boxes and asked him to indicate which boxes contained a water bottle. He selected eight, which said had water in them, but it turned out only five contained water. Of the eight selected boxes, only one was revealed to contain water <laughs> and one contained sand. God. <laughs> you went in the opposite direction. These dummy. guys fucking suck. I mean, also, it's, yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. And then uh, a psychometric psychic by the name of Sharon McLaren Straz. Sharon McLaren. Sharon McLaren Straz claimed to be able to per- uh, receive personal information about the owner of an object by just holding the right. object itself. In order to avoid ambiguous ambiguous statements, the psychic agreed to be presented with both a watch and a key from each of 12 people. She was then to match the keys and watches to their owners. According to the prior agreement, she had to match at least nine out of 12. Guess how many she got correct? One. Two. Okay. And then lastly... Professional crystal healer Valerie Swan attempted to use ESP to identify 250 Zener cards. You know what those are, right? No. I think that those things that they use in Ghostbusters at the beginning that have like, there's wavy lines and then there's like, they use them in all these fucking okay. weird yeah. things. Like a They're, they have symbols EMP on them. kind of, not EMP, but like it's supposed to show you like the ESP levels or the electromagnetic levels. Well, 
random guessing should have resulted in about 50 correct. Yeah, I so know, right? It was agreed in advance. <laughs> These guys are fucking retarded. That Swan had to be at right at least 82 of those cards to demonstrate an ability greater than chance. However, she was able to only get 50 predictions correct, which is no better than random guessing. <laughs> yep. God damn it, man. Idiots. Totally. Stupid. Um, so then, uh, more on Larry King, uh, he, there was a psychic that went on the show named Sylvia Brown. And um, she's, she, you know, Randy's like, I'll give you the test, but you have to agree to take the test. And she says, yeah, I'll do it. Well, six months later, she no-showed on him. Um, and then on another Larry King episode, he challenged Rosemary Altia, another claim medium, and uh, offered $10 million this time, but she bailed on him. <laughs> so <laughs> I wonder why. Um, and then our, you know, John Edward, of course, right? Yeah. Well, in 2007, he appeared on Headline Prime, hosted by Glenn Beck. And when asked if he would take the Amazing Randy's Challenge, Edward responded, it's funny. I was on Larry King live once, and they asked me the same question, and I made a joke. And I'll say the same thing here. Why would I allow myself to be tested by somebody who's got an adjective as a first name? Oh. What a burn. Yeah. Uh, he got me. But of course he... Roasted you. Wouldn't take the fucking test. Yeah. Okay. Remember the fucking bomb detector? Yes. Okay. So Randy asked British businessman Jim McCormick, who invented the 80651 bomb detector, to yeah. take his challenge. Right. Randy called the AD-651 a useless quack device which cannot perform any other function than separating naive persons from their money. Mm. It's a fake, a scam, a swindle, and a blatant fraud. Mm. Prove me wrong and take the $1 million challenge. He didn't get a response. Well, according to Iraqi investigators, the AD-651, which was corruptly sold to the Baghdad bomb squad, was responsible for the deaths of hundreds of oh, civilians God. who died as a result of terrorist bombs, which were not detected at checkpoints. Who made that thing? This fucker, Jim McCormick. Oh so he's God. walking around saying, here's a fucking bomb detector. That give me gross. Give me cash. He should be in jail. Well, he did. He was convicted of three counts of fraud. Yeah. Uh, and subsequently sentenced to 10 years in prison. Yeah, good. So Randy exposed him. Good. Um, and then um, there was another case where Ra uh, Randy was found liable for defaming Eldon Bird for calling him a child molester in a magazine story and a shopping market molester okay. uh, in a 1998 speech that he gave. However, the jury found that Bird was not entitled to any monetary damages after hearing testimony that he had indeed sexually molested. Oh, my God. And later married his sister-in-law. Wow. Weird. In late 1996, Randy launched a libel suit against a Toronto-area psychic named Earl Gordon Curley. Huh. Curley had made multiple objectionable comments about Randy on Usenet. Despite suggesting to Randy on Usenet that Randy should sue, Curley, Curley's comments implying that C-suit uh, was eventually dropped in 1988 when early Curley died at the age of 51 from alcohol. Toxicity. Yeah. It is pretty early for Curly. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Uh, Randy was pro-legalization of most illegal drugs. Yeah, libertarian. Yup. Uh, he also wrote that uh, compared to the Bible, the Wizard of Oz is more believable and much more fun. Mm-hmm. Randy refers to the Virgin Mary as being impregnated by a ghost of some sort, and as a result, produced a son who could walk on water, raise the dead, turn water into wine, and multiply loaves of bread and fishes. And most importantly, questions how Adam and Eve's family managed to populate the earth without committing incest. Right. These are the big questions. So um, this is great. He fostered seven children throughout his lifetime. Oh, that's nice. Um, and he did become a naturalized citizen uh, in 1987. And was sued by each and every one of them for <laughs> sexual harassment. Well, Randy said the reason he became a citizen was uh, there was an incident while he was on tour with Alice Cooper. Okay. Uh, when the Royal Canadian Mounties searched the band's lockers during a performance. Yeah. But found nothing illegal. Of course not. Um it was because Alice Cooper's straight edge is fucked. Is he? <clears throat> I don't know. Well, um, he saw the movie Milk. Yeah, love that movie. That's what prompted him to come out as gay. And also Milk Money. Oh, uh, with uh, Ed Harris yeah. and the old big tits. Uh huh. Haven't seen it. I like the other movie that she's in with uh, John Goodman, which is um, Born Yesterday. Oh, that's a classic. Great movie. Um, Never met him. So he battled cancer several times in his life. And lost every time. And no, he beat them all. And then he died at his home in October 2020 at the age of 92. Wow, nice, dude. Hell of a life, man. He made that cancer disappear. James the Amazing Randy. There are so many lists of awards, I couldn't even begin to read them. Pages and pages (laughs) of Lifetime Achievement Awards. And yeah. um, Go on there and just Wikipedia and look, man. That's our I show. I love it, dude. That That's was a great, our show. Great episode. Great two-parter. Great two-parter. And guys, there's no show without you. So yes. continue to uh, leave reckon- a review. Five star, even yep. if you hate me. Even if you hate Dave. Yeah. Don't do that, Papa. Yeah. Don't stick that pouch in your mouth. Yeah. This wasn't we, a pouch, but We it's pride gone. ourselves on being professionals around here, so I do not chew my nicotine gum on the show. You don't clean your shoes by licking I your hands. I don't lick my own shoes. God, there's one person that's going to get this joke, but he did email me over the weekend. Hi, Shane. So, <laughs> <laughs> guys, come uh, follow us on Twitter. That helps us out, too. Yep. And the Discord's a fun place to be. It is. So, um, join us, and uh, as always, thank you, Brian. Broccoli Farms 619. Give them a follow on Instagram. Order some weed if you're in San Diego from yeah. them. Take our 15% uh, code down on some the docks. Strips. And we will see you next week for episode 41. <laughs>